Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Do me a favor. Just make some noise. Okay. That makes me feel so much better. I just, I, I too quiet. Like, ah. Uh, yeah, I live with grandkids. I need noise. You know? Man, it's good to see you this morning. Look, look up here. We got these visitors up here. Well, now, we got Pastor Chris sitting in the front row. Like, why, why aren't you working today? Oh, that's right. <laughs> Man, it's, I just went over. I said, this is kind of different. She said, I like this. You know? And uh, we're going to be celebrating her. You know, this whole COVID thing, man, it just stole that part of it. And, you know, we were going to do a celebration and not celebrating that you were gone, of course. And, uh, but that kind of ruined all that. So we'll get to that in the near future. Hey, uh, I want to mention a couple of things, see if I can fall off here. All right. First thing I want to mention is, let, let me, like, I, I want to kind of, we, we sing this Goodness of God song, which I, I just love the song. And like I said, you'll never be without a song if you sing about the goodness of God. That being said, there's a line in there that talks about his goodness chasing after us and running after us. And let me set you the context of that. I don't want us to get the idea that we're running away from him. Okay, can, can we get that? Let's lose that notion. That's not what we're talking about, that we're running. It's actually of Psalm 23. It, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. The whole context of the passage of Scripture in Psalm 23 is that God is our shepherd. And because he's our shepherd, what? I shall not want. I'll lie down in green pastures. I'll be, I'll be beside quiet waters, right? Uh, he guides me in paths of righteousness. I will walk in the shadow of the valley of death and fear no evil, right? I will fear no evil. You're riding your off to comfort me. And so because he's the shepherd, the Bible says that he prepares a table for me in the presence of my enemies. And then it says, you've anointed my head with oil. And goodness and loving kindness will follow me, chase after me, run after me all the days of my life. It is a good thing. It is not something where we are running away from, but rather because we are sheep of the shepherd in his care, mercy and goodness follows us all along our life. How many know it's not us running away from him? So let's lose that notion. That's not what it's talking about. It's following us. It's a natural progression of walking under the shepherd. Okay. All right, I got another thing I got to do. For those of you who may have been here or who weren't here on Christmas Eve, I made a unilateral decision at the spur of the moment. I know, hard to believe. And I looked out, and Frank, you, you want to preach? I got the notes. You got, you got, go ahead, take over. Frank, I looked out there, and he was the best-dressed man of the night, okay? Got the little reindeer. To do llamas. It's a llama. A llama? A llama. <laughs> a Christmas llama and Christmas trees and snowflakes. And you just look good. So I thought to myself, you know, we don't have a Christmas party. We didn't have a Christmas party because of COVID. But the last number of years, we've had the Transformation Church Christmas Sock Competition. And it is a fun competition to watch. And the winner of the competition takes the trophy home for a year. And then they have to bring it back the following year to defend their, their, their winning. Well, I thought since we couldn't do the sock, you win this year because you were the best dressed man at Christmas Eve. I want you to take this home. Yeah, shake my hand here. 
shake my hand as I present this to you. This is a photo op moment. All right? And take it home with distinction. Use it. Plug it in. Light up the darkness. I got to stay another year. You have to stay in church another year, yes. So get out of here. Uh, I have a lot of fun with Frank, but I want you to know this much. I'm proud of that man. Frank and I go back a long time. He's overcome a lot of obstacles. He has battled a lot of demons in his life. And um, he is here. He's alive. And he was, by the grace of God, he knows that. He's appreciative of that. And um, so I have some fun with the lamp, but I'm proud of that man. So amen. All right. One other thing I want to, I'm also proud of you as a church. Because you as a church, you always, every year, Martha will attest to this, that every year come about the child time that you rally uh, around her, you buy gifts, you buy presents for children. And uh, she has a bit of a note that she wanted us uh, to read today. Um, it says that she wanted to thank everybody because, um, once again, God has enabled us to bless 97 children of our church family. We wish to thank those members who covered us with prayer, took stockings, and gave donations. She wants to especially thank Randy and Bonnie Kelly, uh, Dave Eccles, Leanne Beck, Cindy Ray Hawk, and the entire Latiri family. Um, also, Leroy Allison. And it was just a great time. They were able to bless 97 children. Praise God. Thank you for your help. Amen. <laughs> Amen. How many of you saw the Christmas star, they call it? I didn't. How many of you did, though? I didn't. I forgot all about it. Oh, well. Lit up the darkness, I guess. Well, I want to talk to you about darkness today. I told you a couple weeks ago, I'll tell you again, just for, just kind of for my own illustration purposes. Man, the other night, oh, it was last week, I think it was, I think it was Penny wasn't feeling so well, and she wasn't feeling great and all of that, and I'm a little bit of a light, uh, late night person. I'm kind of a night owl. I stay up late. She's not. She wasn't feeling well. Didn't want to wake her up. So how many of you know uh, that whenever your wife is sick, men, you sleep on the couch? How many know when you're sick, men, you sleep on the couch? Okay. <laughs> right. But I didn't sleep in the couch. I said, I'm going to go sleep in the guest room. So I went to sleep in the guest room. I get up in the middle of the night. It's dark. I'm sleeping in a 200-year-old bed. It belongs to her great-great-grandfather or something like that. And, and so I get up, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to walk. I'm going to So I go around the bed. And, man, it's got these little columns on it and these little sharp point tops on. And I wrap my leg into that thing. It bled. I got a big bruise. Everybody say, aw. That's good. Almost makes me feel like Pastor Troy. Y'all baby him when I pick on him. Okay? And, 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 oh, man, I hit that thing. It hurts so bad, and it still hurts. And then that same week, I was, had all the cars in the garage, and we live with our kids. You know, we have four cars. We got whisk car. We got the Lincoln. And so it's starting again, Troy. I broke two mics this morning. And so, so the other night I thought, man, I got to go out in the garage and I got to go to the other end of the garage and I got to get something. I don't need to turn the light on because I'm just going to get in my car. I'm going to drive out and I'll just shut the door and I won't have to turn the light off. And so I'm walking in there and here's the Lincoln and I'm going behind the Lincoln. All of a sudden, bam, oh, I ran my knee right into the hitch. How many men have run their knee into the hitch of a vehicle before? Yeah, that'll make you want to curse, won't it? All right. I know you're saints. You didn't ever think of such a thing. And I wrapped that thing, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. I got this knee hurts, and that knee hurts, and this thing. Oh, my goodness. I let out a yell. I was like, ah! Eric comes out. What happened to you? I hit the hitch. Oh, he laughed. I mean, there's something wrong with us men. We laugh. I took the hitch out. It's not in there anyway. Okay. And by, but the fact of the matter is, both of those things probably would not have happened had I not been stumbling around in the dark, 
had I not been walking around in the dark. But because I was walking in the dark without a light, I ran into two things I did not see that have caused pain in my life. Can anybody testify this morning that there might have been a time in your life where you walked in darkness that caused pain? All right? We've all probably been there at one time or another. I have a message for you that's somewhat started last week in this service when the Lord began to deal with me as we were singing the song Tremble and bringing some verses out. And so I have a message today that's entitled simply Light Over Darkness. And we are in the Christmas season. Uh, we always talk about how Jesus is the light of the world. He came as the light of the world. We'll read John 1 in just a moment. But I want to, there is a passage of scripture in Exodus chapter 10. So if you want to turn to a scripture, turn to Exodus 10. And there is a picture here in this passage that is so rich and is so incredibly cool that I want to bring it out and use it as an illustration for what Jesus does in our life. And so the, the, today's scripture begins with this. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out with your hand toward the sky so that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, even a darkness which may be felt. So Moses reached out with his hand toward the sky and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his house, from his place for three days. But this, this is the best part of the scripture. But all the sons of Israel had light in their dwellings. That is such an incredibly cool portion of scripture. Let me set this up for you a little bit. So you have Israel who were slaves and captives in Egypt. They were there for 430 years, okay? They didn't always live as slaves in Egypt. Because while Joseph was alive, they did not live as slaves. They lived as on the best of the land under the protection of Joseph, their brothers. When Joseph died, then the Egypt began to oppress Israel. And the sons of God became the slaves of Egypt. All right, And this lasted for hundreds of years until God finally said, I'm going to send a man by the name of Moses. I'm going to send him to Egypt, and he's going to tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he's going to lead them out of captivity into freedom. When Moses went there, the Bible says that Pharaoh would not listen to Moses, right? And so what God began to do is he brought 10 plagues upon Egypt. He brought 10 judgments against Egypt in order to make Pharaoh let the people go. Some of those plagues are crazy, right? The plague of gnats, the plague of lice. Man, we had that plague one year here, didn't we? We were picking lice out of every kid in the place. <laughs> It was years ago. <laughs> like, we had those little cones that zapped them. Zip, zip, right? We had those. We had people in mayonnaise. You know, it, it was like the church bird at that time. <laughs> right? And there was a plague on the land. And how about this one? The plague of gnats. And, or how, this, was, this is probably one of my ones that make me laugh thinking about it. The plague of frogs. Can you just imagine frogs jumping around all over the place? And then when they died, how much it stunk. Right? And, and so God would bring in these judgments. They were judgments. And all these judgments were mocking a God that the Egyptians would worship. Now, time after time after time, Pharaoh refuses to let him go. Finally, God brings a plague of darkness upon the land. Now, it's interesting. I, I want, there's just a couple of um, some thoughts just up front before I actually get into the meat of the message. I want you to think about this. Egypt 
worshipped Ra called the sun god. They called their sun god Ra. But I thought about this for a moment. How many know who created the sun? God. God, the creator, used the created to judge those who worship the created. How many know we were never meant to worship the created? We were always meant and called to worship the creator. Creation should drive us to the creator, not the created. Creation should cause us to bow and worship the creator, not bow and worship the created. Here is Egypt worshiping that which God had created. And God says, no, no, wait a minute. I'm now going to judge you. I'm the creator of the sun. And I'm going to use darkness in order to judge you. God created the sun. Watch this. So God created the sun, but yet chose to use Moses to command the sun and the darkness. It's, this is just, think about this. He told Moses, stretch out your hand towards the sky so that there might be darkness on the earth. <laughs> Do you ever think of some things like this? Well, let me think about this. So God told him, but you're God. Do you really need Moses to make darkness? I mean, no, he didn't need Moses. I mean, no, God could have just made it dark. God could have just turned off the light. Right? God, God, but, but yet, why didn't God just order the sun or darkness to come similar to the fashion in which he said, let there be light when darkness was over the face of the earth? Instead, he chose to physically have Moses stretch out his hand toward the heavens, towards the sky, to execute judgment on Pharaoh and Egypt. He could have simply said, stop shining on Egypt. But here's the deal. I thought about this. If God just shut off the light, and if God just said, I'm just going to make it dark, then God would have been left without a witness in the land. You, you see, you got to understand this for a moment. Moses was the man of God sent by God to Pharaoh into Egypt to proclaim the desires of God, the word of God, the wishes of God, and execute the commands of God. He was there lifting up God. How many know we as believers are meant to be called to be lifting up God? Right? And God, though, could have just turned off the lights and it been black. But here's the problem. Everybody would have been wondering what happened. Well, how'd the power go out? Well, how'd it get dark? What phenomenon was this? What is happening with the planets? What is happening with the sun? What is happening? What, what happened? But see, now that it was Moses, the man of God, being used by God, there was now a witness to Egypt and to Israel that it was the God of heaven that did this. How many know God is always looking for a witness on the face of the earth? Do you understand that God still, this is not even the message today, but do you understand that God still uses men and women to execute his judgment, commands, and desires in the world so that the world would not be left without a witness? God can heal without you. How many know this morning God can heal a person without you praying for that person? But how many know that when God tells you to lay hands on the sick and you lay hands on the sick and you pray in the name of Jesus and they get well, how many know the world has a witness of our God? God is looking for a witness. That's why he chooses to use us. God has always had a revelatory witness from scripture, cover to cover of the Bible, a prophetic witness. And so Moses was this one who was bringing a revelation of God when he reaches his hand to the sky and calls down darkness. Wait, uh, let me, take, let me go somewhere for a moment. Do you remember in Exodus chapter 4, 
Moses shows up at this burning bush that's not being consumed. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed, and God begins to talk to him. And as God begins to talk to him, God tells him, I want you to go back to Egypt, and I want you to rescue my people, to which Moses was overjoyed to do. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm out. And he makes all these excuses. And then he asked a question to God. But what am I going to do if they don't believe that you sent me? And what are they going to do if Israel doesn't believe that you sent me? God said this. What did God do? God said, what's that in your hand? It's a staff. May I? May I? Oh, I could hit some people with this. He said, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a staff. The shepherd's staff. Throw it down. It became a snake. became a serpent. He says, now, pick it up by the tail. <laughs> yeah, right. I'd much rather do this. <clears throat> All right. Moses reaches down. He picks it up by the tail. I mean, no, you don't pick up a serpent by the tail. You pick it up by the head. But this just shows the power of God. He picks it up by the tail, and it becomes a staff once again. Right? And then he says to him, Moses, take your hand. Thank you, dear. Take your hand and put it inside your cloak. So Moses puts his hand inside his cloak. He pulls it out, and it was leprous. And God says, put it back in. And he puts it back in. And he pulls it out, and it was clean, fresh, new. God says, these two signs you shall use. How many know we often talk about these as being the signs to Moses? These were the signs given to Moses to show Israel. These were the signs given to Moses. They were tolls of the supernatural given to Moses that he was to take back to Egypt and he was to show them to Israel so that when they saw the supernatural of God, they would know it was God that sent them. They would know that God was concerned about them. They would know that God cared about them. And the Bible tells me they literally bowed down and worshiped in chapter 4 of that same scripture. So what, so what happens? And God also said, and if they don't believe the first two signs, take water from the Nile and put it on the ground and it'll become blood. The Bible says they never needed to do that one from Nile because they believed after the first two signs. Do you understand why God gave the supernatural to Moses? He gave the supernatural to Moses so that Moses would be a revelation of a supernatural God to natural man who would say, I believe the message and now I fall in worship. Can we say something to the church? The church still is something God wants to give the supernatural to to become a revelation for those who need to believe. One of the problems in the church, and the Lord spoke this to me this morning, is over the years, somewhere, somehow, sometimes, not all the time, the supernatural of God, we have used it as toys of enjoyment rather than tolls of employment. They're tolls to be given to men and women to be employed for the purposes of people coming to believe the message of Jesus Christ. When Paul preached the message, the Bible tells us in Acts, when Paul preached the message, God confirmed the preaching of his word with signs and wonders, and men and women came to believe. God doesn't need to do it through you. God chooses to do it through you and I so that we become a witness of God in the land. That's a totally different message for a totally different day. But I thought I'd throw it at you now. It's like a smorgasbord. You see, the fact of the matter is, 
God could have caused a darkness to come over the land without Moses. But with Moses, men had a witness of the God of Israel. But with Moses, listen to me, but with you, Randy, and with you, Patty, and with you, Krista, and with you, Will, and with you, Hell, God has a witness in the land. Man, we got to get this. We got to get this. All right, let me move on. It's the, it's, it's the Sunday between Christmas and New Year's, Pastor. Stop being so stinking excited. You're on a sugar rush still. Calm down. It's not okay. Calm down, Pastor. Okay? You expect us all to be excited. We're coming to church. It's a COVID Christmas. Okay? So everything's laid back. I'm so sick of church in this era. Okay. All right. I'm trying to be good. See, God could have done it. But that's not how he chooses to do it. God used darkness. So what does he do? Now he brings darkness and he uses it to separate the sons of Egypt from the sons of Israel. The darkness is what would be separating them. I wish I could turn half this room on and half the room off. Some of you in dark and some of you in light. We'll see what happens. That'd be so cool. Can't do it. Think about this. But let me ask you a question. Do you ever think about this? And I thought about this. Was it just that God turned the sun off? And the moon off and the stars off? Now, remember this. The Bible also tells us that God at times comes in a cloud in a canopy as in a thick darkness. See, I believe the presence of God came over the land of Egypt. And when the presence of God came over the land of Egypt, it came in a thick cloud, a thick cloud that the Bible describes him with. And when he came over that land, and then he, like, here's the amazing thing. But while he came over that land, he brought darkness to Egypt and he brought light to the sons of Israel. They had light in their dwellings. You see, the sons of Israel, they had light in a time of darkness on the land. Listen to me, church. There might be some dark times we're facing in this world, but you and I have light within us that has nothing to do with this world. All right? Uh, they, had, they had light in a time of darkness. The sons of Israel had light that was separate and distinct from Egypt. The sons of Israel had light that was independent of Egypt. Think about this. We're talking about a group of people who were dependent upon Egypt for everything. They were the slaves of Egypt. So guess what? What they ate came from Egypt. Where they lived was dictated by Egypt. When Moses first came back, Pharaoh said what? Make them make more brick, but take the straw. You see, everything they were dependent upon Egypt for. But all of a sudden, here comes a moment of time where God brings judgment upon the land and the sons of Israel had something that was independent of Egypt. How many know this morning that you and I as believers, we have a hope that is not dependent upon this world. We have a hope that is not dependent upon the things of this world. But where did this light come from? Where did it, where did it come from? Like... Troy asked me one day, last week, he says, well, like, how did they have light and nobody else did, right? Well, I don't believe for a second that they had lamps, oil. I don't think the light they had in their homes was from light or oil, torches, flames, fire, whatever else. You say, but why don't you believe that, Pastor? Because if they could have had it from those things, how many know Egypt could have had it from those things? If they could have lit a lamp, Egypt could light a lamp. If they could light a fire, Egypt could light a fire. I don't believe that for a second. You say, well, what do you believe? I don't know. I'm figuring it out. I'm just kidding. All right? 
Let me take you to the back of the book. Let me take you to the end of the book. Revelation chapter 21 tells us this. John has a vision of the new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the new city. He said, I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb are his temple. How many know there's going to come a day in the future where we're not going to a building to worship? And the city, it has no need of the sun. It has no need of the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God has illuminated it, and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no more night there, and its gates will never be closed. You know what struck me about this? He said there will be no more need for the sun and no more need for the moon. God, at the beginning of creation, sees darkness hovering over the face of the earth, said let there be light, but then later on he creates the sun and the moon to govern the night and the day, to govern the darkness. And it struck me, you know, why the sun, the moon, and the stars shine? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because they get their nature from his nature. You see, the Bible tells me that God is light. He is light. He is the illumination. He doesn't just bring light. He is light. And do you know when he created the sun, the moon, and the stars, what he did was he took from his nature and gave the sun, the moon, and the stars his nature. And now they are operating off of the nature of God. How many know this morning that your kids have your nature in them? Good, bad, and ugly. Aren't you glad when you see your good nature in them? Amen. Aren't you kind of like, eh, about that one that's in the middle, that, 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 that kind of like, yeah, that's nice. Right? And how many know that when you see that bad, you know it's the nature of your spouse? <laughs> right? Like, like when I see Tony and how good she is and sweet she is and awesome she is and hard worker she is, I said, man, I'm glad she got my nature. And sometimes she gets these little temper tantrums and she gets a little upset and she does little things. I said, man, I wish she didn't have Penny's nature. <laughs> right? Because your children take on your nature. Listen to me. The sun, the moon, and the stars had the nature of God upon them. Right? The sun and the moon and the stars may fail, but God still illuminates the dark. Now watch what else. John, or John saw in Revelation. He said, there'll be no longer any curse. And the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it. And his bond servants, I mean, that's you, that's me. Bond servants will serve him. And they will see his face. And his name will be written upon their forehead. And there will no longer be any night. And they will not have need of the light of a lamp nor will they have one of the sun because the Lord God will illuminate them. The Lord God will not just illuminate the city, the Lord God will illuminate them. How many know you are illuminated by the presence of God? You are ones who shine and are illuminated because of the light of God. And they will reign forever and ever. There's going to come a day, believer, that you will one day have his name written on your forehead. There will be a day where you will not have to go to a temple to worship. There will be a day that you will see him face to face. And he will illuminate you and you will reign with him forever and ever and ever. How many know that's going to be a grand time? All right, and so, so when you look at this, so I want you to understand something. So when we read Revelation, 
now I have an understanding of how the sons of Israel had light when Egypt didn't. Because it was the presence of God. And I believe with all of my heart that it was the presence of God that came over the land that brought thickness, darkness. And it was the presence of God that brought light to the sons of Israel. And I want to tell you something today. Today, you and I, believers, still have the ability to have the light in the dark world. That you and I have the light of God in dark times that shines within us. You see, why is that? Because first of all, let us understand something. God is light. He doesn't just bring light. Oh yeah, he can say, let there be light. And we know he can do it. But understand this. He is light. Some people are looking for him to bring things into their life that will bring light when he wants to be the light of your life. First John. This is the message we have heard from him and we announce to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That God is light. You see, listen to me. God doesn't just provide light in the darkness. He is the light in the darkness. You want God to light up your life with money. Let it rain, God, let it rain. (laughs) You want God to light up your life with that person, with that person, with this thing, with that thing. He brings things into our life, don't get me wrong. But the reality of it is, he is first and foremost the source of light in our life. Right? The psalmist tells, there's a a psalm, Psalm 4, that says, There are many who say, who will show us any good? Lord, lift up the light of your countenance upon us. How many of you know, this has been a year, there's been a lot of junk. There's been a lot of Garbage. I, I'm, how many of you are just kind of sick of hearing bad news? Right? You're just like, oh, let me turn the TV on. Oh, this many million died. This many hundred thousands are dead. This many are got diagnosed with COVID. Okay, Joe Biden this. Donald Trump this. Rudy Giuliani that. This person that. CNN this. Fox that. And you're just like, oh, my goodness. Can I just get one? Can I just find one good thing? Hmm? It's kind of like, feel like it. Who's going to show, who will show us any good? But the psalmist said, but Lord, let your countenance shine upon us. Do you know what? You know what? Here's what we need to understand. Because God is light, his countenance becomes our countenance. His countenance becomes our countenance. It means to have his face shine upon them. Moses would go into the presence of God on the mountain. And Moses would meet with God. And God would speak to Moses. And in the presence of God, Moses would come out of that presence. And the Bible says his face shined like the sun. Right? Because God's countenance became Moses' countenance. You know what I see sometimes? I see countenances on people's faces. And some it's the countenance of CNN. And some it's the countenance of Fox. And now we right-wing conservatives have gone to Newsmax. <laughs> right? And I see people got the countenance of CBS or NBC. Because all you've done is you just 
feast upon it and you feast upon it and you feast upon it and you feast upon the darkness and you eat upon the darkness and you feast on it and you feast on it and you wonder why you don't have any joy and you wonder why you're gloomy and pessimistic and you wonder why Randy won't allow Patty to watch it anymore. <laughs> best word, best line I ever heard. I told her she couldn't listen to it anymore. I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> and he's still alive. You see, but I got to tell you, 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 you sit down and you feast on that. You're going to look like that. You're going to sound like that. You're going to be angry. Oh my gosh, some of you are so angry. You are so angry over this election thing. God is not controlled by a political party, people. And I'm just going to tell you something. I'm just going to lay it out here. I know who I'd like to see outcome on this thing. But if it don't go that way, the church of God is still the church of God. Okay, can we stop acting as if the church is going to end? They've been trying to kill the church for years in China. And all it's done is explode. And all it's done is multiply beyond anything we can imagine in this land of freedom. All it's done is explode and grow and grow and grow and grow because my God is not controlled by a government. The light shines in the darkness. The light shines in communist China. Oh my goodness. The gates of hell shall not prevail against the church ever. The church is not governed from the White House. It is governed from the throne room where there's light that illuminates everything. Your countenance, when God looks upon you, when you're in the presence of God because he is light, your countenance changes. David said, the Lord is my light. He didn't say the Lord gives me light. The Lord provides me light. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? He didn't just provide him light. He is my light. Is the Lord your light today? Because he's light, darkness has nothing I shall fear. I don't know why it says is shall fear. Oh, well. Because God is light, darkness has nothing I fear. It's real. Darkness is real. How many know evil is real? How many know there is evil in the world? It is real. There is darkness. We are in this cosmic war between the, the, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. Make no mistake about it. And, 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 and everybody that says that everything that happens is God's will, that's just crazy. You don't understand the war. You don't understand the war. Listen to me. We need to stop preaching that garbage that God is in control of everything that happens. He's not. We're in a war, a cosmic war, where there's a real enemy who comes at you, who strikes, but I know who wins the war. But when we're teaching people that he's under, he does everything and he's in control of everything, we're teaching them that whenever the devil does something in their life, it was God's will. It's not God's will. It's not God's will that you were raped as a little girl. It wasn't God's will that you were raped as a little boy. It was not God's will. It angers me when we preach this nonsense. Oh, boy. 
Where did this come from? Merry Christmas. <laughs> it angers me. It angers me because it makes my God look like a bad dad. Oh, honey, I'm just going to let that guy rape you because I want to bring a divine moment to your life. That's so stupid. Ask me how I really feel. Maybe I need to step into some therapy today. Don't make my God look bad because you're afraid he doesn't look as powerful. That's what we do. Oh, well, God, God has to be in control of it all, right? No, he doesn't. The Bible doesn't even teach that. Okay. Boy, oh boy, Troy, I'm going to break another mic. The reason that it's so important that we understand that we don't teach that is because when, people, when evil comes upon people, my God wants to heal them of the wounds of the enemy. But we cannot have a God who heals us if he's the God that allowed us to be hurt. I don't want to go to a heart doctor who gives me heart disease. Okay? If that heart doctor gives me heart disease, I ain't going to him. And if God allowed me and had a divine plan for me to be, to be molested as a child, I ain't going to that God for healing. I did not preach this in the first service. It's your fault. There is darkness, and it is real. But there is light, and it is real. And he is real. And he will heal you of the wounds of darkness. And he will heal you of the wounds inflicted by darkness. And he will give you joy in the midst of sadness. And he will give you joy. And he will give you gladness of soul. And he will give you peace that you sleep at night. See, the Bible tells me, Scripture, this Christmas season, that in the beginning, in the beginning was the Word. That means Jesus. And the Word was God. And the Word, and the word was with God. And the Word was God. And he was in the beginning with God. Let me just say something. <laughs> By all means, if you want to teach your kids happy birthday, Jesus, do that. But please do not teach them that this is the beginning of Jesus. That Christmas is the beginning of Jesus. Jesus is the ever existent one. And he was in heaven before creation. And he was at creation when creation was created. He's the ever existing one. If you're going to teach him something, teach him that it's the beginning of his earthly existence as a man. But it's not the beginning of Jesus. We must, under, we must bring them to a place where they understand that he's the king of kings, the Lord of the lords. He's the everlasting one. He's the ever-existent one. He was in the beginning. He was. He, he, we just got to teach him that. Raise it up. Right? And all th because the Bible says all things came into being through him. He was there as part of creation. And apart from him, not even one thing came into being. Not one thing came into being that has come into, well, whatever I'm trying to say. You know, Joe Biden said, yeah, I think. <laughs> in him was life. And you can't see the screen back there. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not grasp it. Troy's like, what do you mean you can't see back there? The top two lines, you just can't see it. It's all like, the light is blinding me, Troy. The light is too strong. I need a little darkness back there, Troy. All right. And then John 1, 9 says this. This was the true light that coming into the world enlightens every person. But it only enlightens every person who believes. The light shined upon all men. 
Those who sat in darkness saw a great light. But it only lightens us whenever we believe in him. Because Jesus said, then you follow me, and anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness. You see, Jesus is the light of God that is separate and distinct from the world. Just as Egypt was dark and Israel was under a light that was separate and distinct from Egypt, understand something this morning. You and I have the light of God who is Jesus Christ that is separate and distinct from this world. This world has nothing to offer in comparison to Jesus. Nothing. Jesus is a light that is independent of this world. There's nothing this world needs to support who Jesus is. The Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the temple of God. And the spirit of Jesus lives inside of us. Jesus is the light on the inside of the temple that no darkness can overcome. Do you understand? Darkness came over Egypt, and yet it could not invade the homes of Israel. It could not invade the homes of the sons of God. Listen to me. Darkness may surround you as you walk in this world, but it cannot come in, and it cannot penetrate, and it cannot overcome the light that lives inside of you. As a matter of fact, the Bible says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I can take one candle and light it in a dark room, and you'll see it. Darkness cannot overcome light. Light always invades darkness. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. The one who follows me, they'll not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We live in a time where darkness is in the land, but there's a light in the temple of God. There's a light in the temple of God. That's you. You're the temple of God. Come on, Troy. Leave the darkness. Come into the light, brother. The darkness of the hour cannot overcome the light of eternity. But the light of eternity is not a thing. The light of eternity is a person. And lastly, the darkness on the outside cannot hide the light on the inside. Troy's coming out of the dark now, into the light. I need a drink of water. Sometimes I needed a drink working with you, but today it's water. But I heard it. Oh, poor Troy. He's always picking on him. He's always picking on poor Troy. For those of you who don't know, I have to say this once in a while just so I can kind of set the record straight. You probably think, well, what, what, what is the relationship those two have? I mean, he harasses him. Pastor Troy picks on him all the time. Troy and I go back to when he was eight years old. All right, we go way back. His brother and I were friends, and he was the mouthy little snotty brother. He's always playing instruments. You know, we're trying to watch football, and he's playing a trumpet. So we threw him down in the basement where he belonged. 
So my trauma has been 40 years old, still existing today. Consider pure joy, my brother, when you face trials of many kind. We go way back, but it's an amazing thing. That man, this crazy, wild, goofy God that we serve sometimes chooses to put a couple of knuckleheads up here to lead God's people. And we ain't full of, we know who we are. We know who we were. <laughs> and I wouldn't have anybody else beside me just to set the record straight. Well, I don't know, there might be one or two, but. <laughs> All right, listen to me. What am I saying this morning? Let us not lose focus, church. Let us not lose focus. Darkness has a way of trying to invade the believer. And all of a sudden, we found our mouth speaking from darkness rather than light. You, you speak from the darkness of your life. You, you speak from the empty places. You speak from the disappointment. You speak from the disillusionment. You speak from the negativity. And you, and, and you feast upon negativity. And you feast upon dark things. And you feast upon dark news. And you feast upon it. And then you wonder why you're always feeling like gloom and doom and despair. But see, that's not who you are. You're a child of God. You're a son of God. And the spirit of the living God lives inside of you. And there's a light inside of you that the world can't understand. There's a light inside of you that the world can't give. There's a light that's inside of you that's independent of the world. There's a light inside of you that's independent of your children, independent of your grandchildren, independent of your spouse, independent that all those things can be taken away and I still got a light that shines in me and his name is Jesus. And his name is Jesus. And he gives me joy in the midst of sorrow and he gives me gladness in the midst of mourning and he gives me a reason to shout when I don't want to shout. And he gives me hope in the midst of hopeless times. And he gives me a song when I don't want to sing. Come on, church. I'm telling you who he is. And I'm telling you that he shines in the darkness. Oh, it doesn't make everything perfect. It doesn't make everything right. But I'll tell you one thing. I can walk around with this. I'm going to get chained. You can wear this thing next week to sing with there's a joy that comes from that light that lives inside of you you want happiness and you want it from the things around you and when you don't get the things around you and it doesn't bring you the satisfaction you think you should have you now have no happiness you're trying to get your spouse to make you happy good luck not that they can't they'll make you a measure of happiness but if they're the source of your happiness they'll also be the source of your unhappiness because there'll be times they fail you and there'll be times that they take away from you. But when you have joy on the inside that comes from the spirit of the living God, when you have joy that comes from the light that lives within you, nobody can touch that. Nobody. I guess I should put this back, huh? Bethany will be watching. Put my joy sign down. Don't touch my stuff. Penny's always telling me don't touch her stuff. So what do you do when they tell you don't touch your stuff? decision yesterday at the house six o'clock in the morning it's penny last year 
know, a birthday or something. She bought me a nice white table to sit on the deck and two high Adirondack chairs to sit there. Actually, that was the one I was at whenever I left the computer in the rain. Her fault. See, see I like, I, 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 why don't we take our houses and we set our chairs up where we can't look out the window? So I wanted to look out the window, Troy, and I wanted to work on my computer at 6 o'clock in the morning. I want to see the snow. I want to see the woods. I want to see all. That thing's out there underneath the pergola. I brought the table in the house. Yeah, it's sitting right in front of the window right in the living room, Troy, <laughs> with the Adirondack chair. <laughs> Looks great. Oh, it was so fun. I sat there and I studied and I sent notes. to. That's why you were getting notes yesterday morning on, on scriptures. And I was having so much fun. And Lord was, I just, oh, this is awesome. So she got up. I got a picture. New furniture? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure how long that's going to be like that, right? Church, you can have joy in the midst of it all. Because there's light in your life that doesn't come from this world or anything it has to offer. And the light will overcome the darkness. So, Father, this morning, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. Thank you, God, you sent your son. Thank you, God, that you just don't send light. You just don't make light, although you do. But you are light. And the sun and the moon and the stars that we see, they're just a reflection of your nature. They have your nature upon them. Just like we have your nature upon us. That Jesus said, we're the light of the world. We shine as the world, light of the world because your nature is on us. Man, God, you're so good. Father, I pray this morning, and I, I speak and I pray that darkness would dissipate. That, Father, light would overcome darkness in lives this week. That there are those who have been feeling consumed by darkness, sadness, all this stuff. But God, you supply, you step in, your presence illuminate the darkness. You give gladness of heart. And we'll give you praise. And we'll lift you up. So God bless your people this week. In Jesus' name. Amen.